0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program is brought to you by Vignaoli Selection. Since 1999, they've been discovering and selecting Italian and Austrian wines that suit your palate. For more information, visit their website, www.VignaoliAmerica.com. That's V-I-G-N-A-I-O-L-I-America.com.
0: I'm Laura
2: Stanley, host of Inside School Food. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org
0: for thousands more.
3: Where do restaurant professionals go to learn about the restaurant profession? Find out in this episode of Tech Bites. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners. It's 1 p.m. on Monday afternoon, and that means it's time for Tech Bites, the weekly Heritage Radio show where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. If you don't have it on your calendar and you just clicked in and you were listening, you know it's time for Tech Bites because we have that amazing theme song, and it's been a while since I've given it a shout-out. But that piece of music was created by a local DJ named Uptown Nico. Who we adore And if you like that sound um, Check him out on SoundCloud He's also one of the Many DJs On the full service Party DJ crew Which is helmed by our very own Jack Hinsley
1: He's also a Friday Night Fight winner
3: He's a Friday Night Fight winner And that is the Friday Night Muay Thai Fights
1: Yes, to be clear
3: Yeah, he's a badass How's it going, Jen? It's going good, Jack, how are you?
1: I'm great. I'm freshly back from Charleston, South Carolina.
3: From the Food Festival.
1: The Wine and Food Festival, yes.
3: The Charleston Wine and Food Festival. So you set up a Heritage Radio Network teepee down there.
1: That's right. They um, they set up a little mobile studio for us. It was our first time kind of broadcasting remotely. And they even put a boar's head down there in the teepee studio they set up for us. So they really tried to make it look like the studio here. You know, funny enough, they even got like the old wine bottles and the, the same cups. It was like they really were very uh, detail oriented with it. That's and
3: amazing. The, it was. They must have an amazing like continuity director down I there. I guess so.
1: Yeah, really. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, but I, I mean, it went really well. It was a lot of fun.
3: Who was the f- your favorite new person that you met down there?
1: Whoa. Uh, well, I'll say. M- with all due respect to the festival, it's a great festival. But I did get there a day early, and I rented a car and drove through the Low Country. So I got to go to some of those little like offshoot islands with uh, some real like you know soul food spots on the side of the road, like Gullah grub. Um, and that was that was like my favorite part of the trip, exploring those those areas. St Helena Island, Edisto Island. Met a woman making sweet grass baskets on the side of the road. So like that stuff is is what I'm really into. But in terms of Charleston. Um, Went to an incredible dinner with Chef Nico Romo, and uh, it was through the Estes Company and uh, Virginia Willis, who's a really cool chef, they did a collaborative dinner. I guess I can transition right into my app with this. Is that cool? (laughs)
3: absolutely at the top of every show we talk about apps people love and we go around the room so you got the mic jack
1: absolutely (laughs) haha so (laughs) their their dinner was like it was called pole to plate so it was all about fresh seafood they were actually fishing that day in the low country and um, one of the fish that they served was Neil caught that day and then cooked right away so it's pretty cool and they both work with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch Which uh, is a really incredible program, and before the dinner started, they both kind of gave a speech and really demanded everybody in the room download the Seafood Watch app, which I thought was really powerful. Yeah, I'm sure you know about it, Jen, and I think we may have even discussed it on the show before, but I hadn't really used the app too much. Um, I have it now. They were really, really adamant, like, you must pull this app up. You have to ask your chef where the fish comes from. If they don't know, that's not a good thing, and they need to know. Um, so it was nice to see the, the two chefs take a stand like that, and it was pretty powerful stuff, and the dinner, of course, was incredible too. So that's that's my app. I'm, I'm going to like echo that sentiment and tell everybody to download the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch app. If you haven't, it's really easy to use. You, you search whatever you're eating. Even if it's as broad as tuna, you can search tuna. And then there are all these different types of tuna that they list. Some of them good, some of them alternative, some of them not good. So, you know, when you order tuna, say, where is that tuna from? And then and, and see what they give you.
3: I remember back in the olden days, it used to be a printable pocket-sized document mm. that you could download. So you would download the PDF and then print it and then, like, fold it up into this little wallet-sized guide. That had you know, static, but the same information.
1: This is a little bit sleeker, I guess. Yeah, and a lot easier
3: and easier to update. For sure. Know where your food comes from, people. Now, before we leave you, Jack, I have a question. How's that 30-day workout app going?
1: I have not used the 30-day workout app in... Let's see Six days
3: So since last week Yeah Are you picking up from last week Or are you starting new
1: I always start new Because it's like You work yourself up to a different number And when you start the app new again They kind of like Readjust the benchmarks So I think I'm up to like I, I don't know when I started when I first announced on the show I was really pathetic It was like 30 or something like that and I've worked my way up to like 70 ish now So I'll start a new month on 70 and then you're gonna work. start again. Yeah, I did I, I told you though. I went to the gym. That yeah. was huge. for No, that's me. good. So, that's good. Know, that's gonna keep happening All right. Now.
3: We'll start it again. Thank you though.
1: The accountability is again. very important
3: You're gonna be the 27 year old uh, high school senior graduating, but
1: the tw- wow <laughs> Yikes <laughs> Thanks
3: 30 day restart every 30 days. Yeah, really. Okay. Well, that's good though. You're keeping at it though, Jack. That's the important thing. Yes. The important thing is to just keep going. Even if you have to start again, just keep going.
1: <laughs> Thanks.
3: And now back there, I see is that we have a new Declan?
1: No. No, new Declan is uh he's on the phone with his his prospective college. All right. So we can get to new Declan later. Yeah.
3: Our special guest in studio today is Sam Appel, who is the Director of Community and Programming of a restaurant industry community called Journay. Hi. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Do you have an app that you are really fond of right now? I do, and actually it's
2: not so... Uh, unaligned with Jack. So um, I use this app called Headspace. Ah, yes. The meditation app. Yes. Which, when you fall off the wagon of staying on top of it, you can just start right back where you were.
3: That's great. How long have you been using it?
2: Maybe like six months.
3: And I like have oh, wow. taken
2: some pretty significant hiatuses throughout that. But they have a really great first start, like 10 days Free ten minutes every day for ten days, and then you, if you want to, you buy. I think subscription. It's like seven, yeah, exactly, yeah. seven dollars a month, and away you go. They have some really amazing content, and his voice is like
3: very soothing. He has an accent; he's British, I think. He sure is, but yeah. he lives in California. Headspace, really? the Headspace app is something that we talked about. Um, Actually, you're not the first to mention it, and we started talking about it earnestly last year when we did a show on disconnecting from your tech Mm -hmm. because so much of what we talk about on this show is about being on your technology almost 24 seven, that sometimes it's really good to try and get away from it for a little while.
2: And interestingly, I think, I mean, it's still tech, right? So it's mm-hmm. still an app that you're using, mm-hmm. but it just gives you 10 minutes away from also else. reading the emails and looking at Instagram and Twitter and whatever else at the same time that you're having a conversation with someone. This is like 10 minutes that you truly are taking for yourself.
3: The nice thing about it also is that it's just really, um, Meditation from a universal non-dogma perspective. There's absolutely no religion or philosophy or any, you know, political, religious point of view attached to it. It's just very simply about, you know, thinking and not thinking and being quiet and all that kind of stuff. So it's really interesting. They also have really cute little um, videos to go along with stuff to illustrate it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Headspace, that's a good one thanks I, I mean I Jack's it. nodding vigorously
1: yeah I, I downloaded it I never really got on it but I, I keep wanting to revisit so maybe I will now
3: and the thing
2: is that you just can right like you can start day one or you can yep. start at day seven and you can replay day seven 20 times if you want to yeah which is nice too yep so 10
3: days Jack you could restart I love it yeah awesome so Sam is here to talk about Journée, which as we set up earlier is a community for restaurant professionals. So the website is your Journée, J O U R N E E. So before we get any further, let's talk about the name. Totally. Um, so first,
2: it's we actually pronounce it journey. Journey which is okay. And often uh, switched thing because so many of us in the industry are accustomed to the french versions of um, so but it came from journée. that was a piece of it the other piece of it was the idea of a journeyman and so a journeyman is the next stage after you're an apprentice um, it's the first time that you're able to get a day's labor in pay and so the idea was You know, If Journey is really about creating community and providing resources and helping those in our industry who are hoping to make something meaningful out of their careers within restaurants, um, let's kind of bring this idea together of both Journey, the day, and the idea of daily and working on yourself, and then also Journeymen, which is that first stage where you're actually making money for the work and the craft that you do.
3: The craft that you do and the apprenticeship and all of that are things that people talk about most often with longing, I think, <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> for days gone by, Totally, and I think people talk about it as one of the elemental pieces that's missing from modern restaurant life and is often pointed at as one of the reasons why many restaurant owners and chefs would say there are no good cooks Mm. totally which we've heard yeah i mean i think firstly the idea
2: of staging now with all the new legislation that's coming out around um new labor laws that's going to be a real challenge and i certainly am not the expert on it but um you know that was the idea right staging was you go and you're apprenticing and you get to shadow and learn um I mean, I think the issue, part of the issue with having not as many cooks, is the inequality in pay. That's, I think that a, plays a pretty significant role in that. Um, and so, it's you know, it's certainly the idea of like, are people getting the opportunities to work in restaurants to continue to learn, but also. People are making different decisions about their careers because they can't live in New York anymore on thirty thousand dollars or whatever it is. So it's tricky.
3: Well, to take it even a step further, we're certainly in New York and in the United States um, in a period of evolution when it comes to wages and minimum wage and living wage and tipping and non-tipping and. The economics and financing of restaurants is definitely in a point of evolution, but I think it's worth noting in the whole um, artisan stage uh, piece of becoming a true restaurant professional in terms of the you know artisan craftsman, craftsperson quality of it. It was years ago when France passed their work laws. And initially, back in the day, we're talking a lot about olden times today on Tech Bites. <laughs> back in olden days, before they passed the 35-hour work week in France, many people would go to Europe. They'd go to France. They would stand outside a Michelin-starred restaurant and you know, ask to see the chef and try and work for free or just work for you know uh, living expenses. And... Back in those days, you worked 80 hours a week. You worked 90 hours a week. Totally. You worked... There was no lunch shift and dinner shift. There was just the shift, which was from, you know, 7, 8, 9 in the morning till midnight, 1 o'clock, Monday to, you know, Saturday, whenever it was. So a lot of the chefs who are, you know, probably in their around in their 40s now, We're the last generation to go through that process, to go abroad, to work in kitchens, to learn really a lot of the fundamental techniques in the kitchen, to learn a lot of the service fundamentals. Um, That doesn't exist anymore. Even if somebody wanted to go and stage in France or in Europe, the work laws there have changed 35-hour week. So it's not even possible in many instances to go and get... The kind of firsthand learning you used to be able to get.
2: Yeah. I think also there's a, a big shift. I mean, to your point about those who are in their 40s and 50s with the last wave, I think they, A, certainly feel a little bit of, but everyone should have done it the way I did it, right? Everyone believes that the way that they learned or grow, often, they often feel like that's the way. And so they're thinking, well, why are these new guys not getting that opportunity or why aren't they striving for it, even if it's not really possible? And then I think the other side is, there is this shifting the evolution you're speaking of is also within those leaders who are saying, it doesn't have to exactly be that way. If you're really driven and you really want to grow and
3: learn, there has to be other ways. You have to just seek out those other opportunities. So Journey mm-hmm. is intended to be an online community for restaurant professionals anywhere in the country to be able to access you know, knowledge and information. So how does that work? How, how do you create online content that's going to be as um, enriching as the first-hand experience? Totally. Um, so,
2: yes, we are building an online platform. And so we've started with having a physical space. It was originally actually envisioned much like this, where it's a studio. So, with,
3: with a board's head and a picture exactly. window to people eating pizza. Yeah, well,
2: I think it's important <laughs> to see, you know, the other people.
3: <laughs> Your <laughs> listeners, wave yeah. to the listeners.
2: <laughs> they really look very engaged with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, originally, it was just going to be a studio. And as Anthony was looking through, Anthony Rudolph, our founder, as he was looking through those spaces, he came to the place of the rent for a studio was the same as a rent to actually have a space. And so, thus grew this idea idea of building a community center, um, which also really acts as our studio. And so the online platform is being powered by the content that we create within the space. So I think, you know, the idea of enriching um, and providing information that new servers, cooks, et cetera, want to get or need to get. Um, Though it's not replacing the work that they're doing in their kitchens, we are very, very clearly not a culinary school, not a service school, because if you're working 70 hours still in your restaurant, you don't need to come to us to learn how to boil water but you need to learn or you're interested in learning or different philosophies so perhaps something that someone in your restaurant doesn't already think Um, you want to get a perspective from a different leader, you want to learn how to be um, a better leader you want to learn how to butcher a fish but you work in a restaurant where that's not being done on premises or you want to learn about wine and there really isn't an opportunity within your restaurant to learn from those specific psalms that are coming in to teach a journey so It's more about bringing a lot of different perspectives and having it be kind of buffet style, like eat as much as you want, journey as much as you want, and take as many classes that you're interested in, regardless of whether it's directly in line with the path that you want to take.
3: So I I understand how you could have, um, you know, a great online broadcast about, you know, wine regions or real estate or management styles and HR and all those kinds of things. Those are discussions that printed materials and documents you can easily share with people. Um, People could even really easily interact and ask questions. Um, Explain to me how with the example of butchering a fish how do you teach someone to butcher a fish online when it's such a tactile experience so it has to do with the educator I think so
2: Chris Jackal taught that class the other day and he was very very specific about what he's feeling and what he's touching and what he sees the students who were in the room the attendees in the room also didn't touch it and feel it. So it's not about, um, at least in this one case, it wasn't a hands-on DIY exactly until later in that class, actually, where he did a hands-on make-your-own tamaki, because that's also something that he's really an expert in. But I think it has to do with the educator and how they present the information. But we certainly aren't going to replace the working in the kitchen and doing it for your job all those hours and the repetitive act of that it's certainly more of an injection of inspiration or knowledge in in those different ways.
3: Okay well on that note we're going to look for a little injection of inspiration and knowledge about our sponsors. Heritage Radio Network is a .org because we are 100% fueled and funded by our members and our sponsors who we love dearly. And we're going to take a little break and find out who they are.
1: Okay, today's break song called Greenwood Cemetery by Teeth People. We'll be back.
3: Dino Tantawi brings together some of Austria and Italy's finest cult wine producers. Dino makes frequent trips to Europe to bring sommeliers and
2: consumers some of the best small vineyard wines. Every wine in the portfolio is selected for its unique attributes. Dino is especially known for his emphasis on the importing of terroir to fine wines and looks for vineyards with microclimate that
3: perfectly express the terroir. Well, if you're wondering what the hell you just clicked on, this is Tech Bytes, the weekly radio show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And that is not kitchen cooking technology. We don't have any sous vide or calcium alginates. That is the Dave Arnold Show, Cooking Issues. Here, our tech is digital web app tech, and today we are talking about Journey, which is an online community for restaurant professionals. Talking with us in studio is Sam Appel, who is head of community and programming. If you want to follow her and check out Journey, she is on Twitter, at Sam Appel, A-P-P-E-L. If you want to follow Journey, it is at journey. Y-O-U-R-J-O-U-R-N-E-E And the web is yourjournee.com So we were just talking about how an online class can help with uh, tactile learning experiences like Mm. butchering fish and things like that. And I think it's a relevant question because... I mean, when you're coming up the ranks and you're a cook in a kitchen, you have friends, you talk about stuff, you could go, certainly people stage or go check out other kitchens. It's almost once you get further up the food chain and you become the chef de cuisine or you become the chef, it becomes a little bit harder to go and take a class or stage um, or get any new information there also. So I don't want, I, I would be curious to know, demographically speaking, um, what type of interest you've pulled from the industry thus far? Is it people who are earlier in their career, who are just looking to get as much information as they can, or are they people who are really further along at their career and kind of hit the ceiling in their own establishment of who they can really look to for education? It's a great question. So it's actually fairly split. Um,
2: so we have about 400 members right now, 60% of those, the majority of those work in operations. So our... Our community is for anyone in the industry, as long as you're in the ecosystem in some way, you could be a member. So the majority are those who actually work in restaurants, whether they work as a server or a line cook, they work as a manager or an owner, or they work in corporate and they do marketing or accounting. So that's kind of the scope of what I would say is working truly in
3: restaurants. Could you be an independent marketing office PR person and join? Definitely. Like if I had a restaurant PR company or a restaurant marketing company?
2: Absolutely. And I would consider that as this not the, that's not the majority of our membership right, right now that's the what i would call that's the e- the rest of the ecosystem right. that's, that's a part of restaurant it. restaurant industry adjacent exactly exactly <laughs> ecosystem as we as we like to call it but yes yeah, so um within that group that are really in restaurants um it's fairly split so we have a lot of people who are newer in their careers they may be servers they may be first time managers they may be first time gms that group and then we also have owners operators who I mean, and their interests are very different, certainly. So those who are newer... Are looking to go to every single wine class because they really want to get everything they can, if, especially if they're starting to study for exams, for example. Or they're not; they just want to know so they can be better on the floor. They're going to every single wine class we offer. On the flip side, I think the owners, operators, those who have been in the industry for a long time, who have seen a lot of success, are coming to the things where they're hearing from someone else that they admire, they respect, they want to draw in- inspiration from. So it's less about they're not coming to the class on how to read a PNL. Usually they're coming to the glass or the event that's more about, you know, Enrique Olvera sharing his story. So we've seen it kind of split in that way or like the hot topic issues. Actually, we've seen both. So we did a panel on um, those leaders who are have gotten rid of tipping in their restaurants and the audience is split. Certainly there are those who are newer, who really don't understand what's going on and want to understand, and those who are the owners who need to make the same decision or are thinking about making the same decision. And so they are there to learn in that other way. So,
3: so that's interesting to know that it's sort of split between you know, the different stages of, of career in the restaurant industry. But it sounds like it's predominantly front of the house. Front of the house, and, and it also seems... Uh, Majority of the offerings are based around wine and wine service. So,
2: the first piece um, I mean, our vision is for it to be for everyone, and so we're working on getting in front of it. In transparency, yeah, we're still working on getting more of those from the kitchen in. Um, It's about figuring out what times of day, what days of week, what are the right topics. Um, We are actually doing, I know you mentioned this is not about sous vide, but we are doing um, a class on sous vide in a couple of weeks, Um, and so we've had a lot of back of house. Um, Interest there, which is really exciting, kitchen interest. So yes, certainly right now, what we've actually also seen in our first, so we opened in July, the majority of those who decided to make the dollar a day commitment, because to be a member, it's 365 for the year, for in-person, online is actually even less expensive. Um, We saw a lot of people, owners, leaders of the organizations, GMs, who could make that decision very, very easily, whether their business was covering it or not. Um, And so we're still... It's now this next phase as we start to get servers and line cooks in more. So it's about creating offerings for all. The second part of you know your question about wine service, we've built out a whole program um, with Richard Betts and Carla Rosarski that they really have curated. And so certainly that is a piece of what we're offering. And my role is to make it all balanced. So adding in all of the leadership classes, adding in all of the, um, you know, we're doing a a class coming up with Jonathan Wu from Fung Tu for him to share how he evolved and created his menu, leveraging his background and his experiences. So that's certainly more culinary focused. And so working on getting the right balance of those who want to be a SOM, those who want to be a GM, those who want to be an owner-operator, and those who want to be um, a chef.
3: So certainly some of those pieces exist independently. Mm -hmm. You know, there's definitely a a wealth of, you know, some and wine-driven educational platforms online, in-person platforms also. The wine subscription is $180? For the year. For the year. Is that in addition to the Journée membership or instead of? So So for those who are members in person, it's included in. The
2: in-person membership. For those who don't live in New York, who want to be get access to the same content, it's $180 for the year. Unlimited access, similar to Headspace, watch as much as you want, consume as much as you want.
3: Slightly different result. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although maybe yes. if you drink enough wine, you kind of zone out too? Yeah, maybe. Possibly. I don't know.
2: <laughs> but, and then eventually that platform. So right now that platform is solely um, our wine education, and that was because It was truly low-hanging fruit. It's stuff that people really want, and to get wine education right now is very expensive. And so this was super inexpensive, and we wanted to make it really accessible. The vision of that platform is to have everything. So we are collecting
3: content every day, recording all of our classes, and all of that will go up as well. So we have a lot of uh, startup businesses on this show that are in the tech space, tech and startups it's it's a thing mm-hmm. <laughs> that's for sure and this also in in some respects is a startup business having just been launched in July of 2015 and having a fairly small constituency at this point of 400 members would you say that you are a full-fledged business or are you still in the vetting process of acquiring traction and sort of getting users to where you're not quite you know if we think about it in terms of the the different periods of the life cycle of a startup and, and a new business being in, being in year zero still on your way to your first anniversary.
2: Totally. So we, we actually don't use the word startup. We definitely see ourselves as a business. I think the distinction for us has been, we're not vetting the, I mean, certainly, you know, you want to make sure that the concept is working and that people are really enjoying it, but we're not really looking at it as though we're vetting the process, vetting the products, making sure that people are getting traction, and rather we're just building a business. And so our vision is super long-term. We want this to be not just in New York in terms of in-person, but in other places so that we're collecting more and more studios, we are being able to produce more and more content. Um, So we really look at ourselves as a business and, yes, a new business, and we haven't had our one-year anniversary yet. Um, What we've been seeing in terms of growth is that Um, There's a lot of organic um, growth that's been happening. So people are excited about what we're doing and they're telling their friends that they need to be there too. They're telling their colleagues that they need to be there too. Um, And then from the online side, there's, I mean, we're just growing it, and there's a much more content than we have that we need to get up that we're working on. So um, I think when that launches, it'll be a little bit of a different type of growth than we've seen as we've been growing in person. But um, definitely look at ourselves as a, as a new business,
3: as a small business, um, as we're just continuing to grow. So definitely a business and mm-hmm. not like a service or a dot org. There's mm-hmm. definitely business means mm-hmm. for profit and making money. Yep. Um, but I mean 400 memberships at $360 a membership is like 100 less than $150,000 so mm-hmm. I mean you have to be being funded at some point somewhere because you can't run a business on 144,000 sure. a year sure. in sure. New York City sure. it's real estate
2: right yeah right that's the other piece right we also I mean we have rent so we're we're I mean, we have that as well. Where Um, is the
3: studio in New York
2: City? It's on 21st Street, between 5th and 6th Ave. So right in the heart of the Flatiron. Totally. Great location. Yeah, Yeah, it's a great location. We have a really beautiful space, um, beautifully designed, very comfortable, meant to be, very welcoming, um, and that you could really be there. And I think for those of us who've worked in the industry for a long time, there isn't often a place or there hasn't really been a place that we can be. Often when you work in restaurants, even if you work in super fine dining, everything is not really for you everything is really for the guests and you're serving them and so this is our opportunity to really serve the community that we have been a part of and that we care for so much um i mean to your question about you know we so we've been funded we have private investors and so um we're in we're really hoping i mean we're building the business as we go so we have lots of different there are a few different revenue streams that we're working on and um so far so good so we're feeling really good about where we are Do you think you have any competitors? I don't really. Um, I think what we've built... There are a lot of people that are producing really amazing content and really amazing events. Um from having an actual physical space that's more like a clubhouse that's so reasonably priced that is bringing in industry leaders I don't think there's anyone that's really doing that at least in the restaurant space um, I often think of us as a cross between what soho house is built from a membership club perspective though without I mean we are without the retail and the bar side of things the restaurant um, are you
3: without the sponsorship membership selection committee rejected <laughs> can't be a member I mean, can anyone join do you so, have that level of exclusivity because uh, that's the flip side to the Soho house. So we
2: are only for people in the restaurant industry. So when you apply, there is an application process. It's not a very intense application process, but what we're looking for is that you really work in the industry. So if you work at a bank, but you really love food, this is really not the place for you. If you are building your spice business on the side and you also do something else but you're really trying to build this business and you'll be leaving what you do now to continue to launch that brand totally okay Um, and then obviously for everyone who's actually in it um, that's really who it's for and we're programming only for them so it doesn't make sense if you are really just excited about food you're an enthusiast about it to really to to be a member of of what we're building a journey So it's not so intense as it sounds like so has been, but um, certainly there's an application process. And then the other side of it, ICS has has crossed with General Assembly because of the amazing continuing education they do. So not necessarily competition, but certainly that we draw from.
3: Well, and General Assembly is specifically technology. Mm -hmm. It's online and in-person education. Uh, hubbed around technology so you can learn to code and learn to program and they have touched on food as topics but mm-hmm. insofar as food technology and food apps or how to market marketing your brand and, and right. things like that but they are specifically around the tech piece versus yeah restaurant food professional piece yeah so how do you how do you grow from here? What's what are the plans on deck for 2016? Are it's notably it says that New York City is the first location. Mm-hmm. How far away is the second? Uh, we need to continue
2: to build the community here first before. So I think we're probably a year away from the second location, um, and also very TBD on where that location will be. We've had a lot of interest from a lot of different cities that we um, need to seriously think through, but. Um, I mean, next for us is continuing to grow the membership here in New York. Um, and with that also means there's this clear balance, which is part of my role is building out all of the programming. Um, so we're launching really exciting um, new series of content. So in addition to what we've done inside the collab, we call it, which is like inside the Actors Studio, where Enrique Olvera, as an example, came And Anthony interviewed him and learned about his story and really gave him a platform. We're also launching a series called At the Pass, which is a TED Talk-style series that will only be held on Mondays during the day because we really want to make sure that those who work in restaurants can be there because oftentimes evening events just they can't get to because they're working. Um, So that series will be bringing in four or so speakers talking about a specific topic, something that we really haven't touched on or that people are talking about here and there, but no one's really delved into. Um, So we're launching with the question of how did you overcome the worst decision you ever made? Um, And so we'll have um, speakers on that Monday in April speaking to you know, really sharing their personal experiences, 15 minutes, um, each person. And so, um, that's, I think a huge way that we're also driving membership, certainly because as we produce better and better content, people are more drawn to be a part of it and then continuing to launch the online, online platform in a meaningful way. So adding up all the content, all of those pieces are a part of how we're continuing to grow. And so this year is both, it's twofold, right? It's really, it's really finding the sweet spot on getting, getting both up in terms of numbers.
3: So the people who teach, Mm. are they paid teachers? Do people volunteer their time to come in because they think it's a great cause? How does that work? Yeah, so
2: we believe really strongly in supporting the entire ecosystem, and that includes compensating our educators. So educators are compensated um, a flat, fee for every class that they teach Um, it's super important to us we wouldn't want and uh, you're asked a lot to volunteer your time lots of places especially like the leaders of this industry are asked a lot to give their time and their time is valuable and we really appreciate having them and as a side, being a teacher is really hard. They have to come up with a, like, not a curriculum, but a um, plan for that hour and a half that they're going to be standing up there. What are they going to be speaking on? Do they need materials? So we certainly don't take that lightly.
3: That's a great thing to know because most people professional or civilian or otherwise probably don't realize that i would say more than half of the events that they see chefs and wine people and restaurant people at giving seminars and talks and things like that they're almost never paid totally (laughs) yeah They're almost never paid for their time. They're sometimes paid for their transportation or their hotel or things like that. Sometimes not also. (laughs) Sometimes not also. Sometimes they're reimbursed for the product they serve. Sometimes not. Sometimes not. So um, that's really wonderful. I think that you make a point to do that because their time is valuable and what they do share with people is valuable. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you start to see a shift over time as restaurant Resources become so much more limited because of the number of things they have to do with their money is increasing Definitely. in terms of technology, the amount of technology restaurants have to pay for. Mm-hmm every day to run their business is only increasing, and that money has to come from somewhere. And to
2: give your time, give your product. I mean, the product piece, I think, is a huge one that restaurants are asked all the time to donate, which, you know, for some causes is the right thing, and for others may not be. And so I think they're going to start to make
3: Different decision, tough decision, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. you really want to give to everyone. It's difficult, it's very difficult. difficult. And as you know, I said before the break, you know, Heritage Radio is a great example. We're a dot org and a 501c3 charity and a yeah. not for profit. And you know, we really like MacGyver the shit out of every dollar <laughs> we get, you know, totally. But you still, you know, we ask people to support us. in restaurants, it's amazing, they, they make the least amount of money, but they get asked to give the most all the time. I don't know how that happened. I really wonder how that actually happened. I mean,
2: probably because they make really delicious things that people want. But I don't
3: know. I mean, It doesn't make a whole know. lot of sense yeah, That's to me. a That's a really good question of how it started. Um, I don't know. You could ask Gail Green. Yeah. <laughs> how that all started or yeah. Danny Meyer. Yeah, yeah, totally. Danny Meyer had a hand in starting, you know, some of the tasting events and things like that from yeah. all the work that he did, you know, bringing together his mm-hmm. communities and neighborhoods and mm-hmm. things like that. I would say that maybe it started with just the, you know, again, I go back to old time, the old time bake sale, yeah. the old time lemonade stand. Right. And I think it's just that idea and the bigger.
2: the marketing opportunity is also there. So that's where I think the, the decision becomes super challenging. Is, is this the opportunity that if I don't say yes to, I'm really missing out on, right? How many people will I not touch because I decided not to do that versus maybe I should just pass on this one. So it's really tricky. I don't know how they navigate through all of that each, each at each juncture that they're asked to do it.
3: Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, if you, it would also be interesting. We should call up Ryan Sutton and have him do a snapshot of rushed on expenses ten years ago and rushed on expenses today mm-hmm. because stuff like Seamless and Grubhub and all of that did not exist mm-hmm. and they were not out there taking a cut of you know their twelve percent or their twenty five percent of your business. So yeah, interesting. Well, we digress a little bit. Yes. <laughs> um, But I would be curious to know what what are the topics you hear most in terms of requests from people? Is there a baseline? Are they all different? Is there one or two things that people really want to know about or talk about?
2: It's a little bit across the board. I mean, certainly everyone has different goals for themselves. We've heard a lot about or a lot of requests for... Um, understanding businesses better, so we've done because of that. How do you really read a PNL? What does a PNL really mean, and how are you going to leverage that to understand how much revenue you're making or potentially increase it? Um, we've heard a lot about. Understanding real estate, we have a lot of people in our community who have either just opened a new restaurant or are about to open a new restaurant or thinking about when when their next project will be, and so understanding real estate was a huge one. We just did that the other night, and it was a packed house of people just trying to understand how do you actually navigate. I think. I mean, whether it's a specific class or not, the theme for me that I'm, I'm getting from everyone is they want like the nitty gritty. They want to dig into a topic and really understand it and have someone in front of them who's truly an expert that they can ask questions to. So um, whatever that may be, certainly like how do i really market my restaurant we you know what what do i need um pr wise what does that look like what can i do on my own what can't i do on my own like what are those how do i start to make those decisions
3: we have done several like instagram boot camp social media boot camp restaurant marketing boot camp on this show starting from so you're opening a restaurant right exactly exactly what do you do yeah do i need to be on snapchat how many times <laughs> do I post on Twitter? What about my website? Yeah, right. Exactly. It's really exactly. starting from ground zero.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think for them, you know, a couple of things come up in that. And the reason why I think that topic comes up is... Uh, they, don't def- they don't necessarily know how to do it themselves. They don't have the time really to do it themselves. There's well, they
3: have full-time jobs,
2: right? which is why in PR ways. and marketing <laughs> and social media are right. actual full-time jobs. Right. Yeah. And often they have someone in their restaurant who's like, oh, I'm like really good at posting photos on Instagram. I have tons of my own personal followers. Like, I'll just do it, which is awesome, but also still doesn't give the owners and the leaders of those organizations any real insight into is this working I mean I think the biggest thing for me and the biggest question that I have about social media in general is how do you quantify it how do you know what pieces are
3: working and what pieces really aren't working do, do people like you <laughs> right, and like that's the, how Jack quantifies it. He just looks at his phone and waits for people to like him. Oh, did
2: they like it? How many likes did I get today? Yeah. I get it. I mean, it, it, but it's also this like crazy driver that you're like just trying to get yes. the likes to yes. to one end. Yes. Um. So we're having a lot of those types of conversations and figuring out the right people to speak on those. I think our community, they're so restaurant rooted. Also, want to hear from. It's a dual perspective, right? They also want to hear from the guy who works in the restaurant who's mm-hmm. doing it well, right? Like. how how are you doing it when do you mm-hmm. have time to do it are you taking yep. photos by the window are you like taking them in like are these old photos are they you like that's a question that's coming up a lot yeah
3: yep. similar similar things that we hear here on tech bites and that we hear out in the industry it's a lot for people to process and yeah. just like in our lives technology has brought all these extra things we have to figure out it's exponential for restaurants, the things they have to figure out. And because their full-time job is really running a restaurant. Exactly. They're they're so
2: tactile. They are really, they are cleaning plates, they're plating plates, they're servicing, like they're Absolutely. They are so in it, in their hands, in are yes. in not in their phones, and often their service is they can't have phones on the floor,
3: so like no, that's not even. How about <laughs> phones in the kitchen? I know right. some chefs who have like no, no right. phones in the kitchen rule, like go outside or go to the locker room if you're going to make a call, but no phones. Right. And so the leaders, right, are in the same position, they don't really, they're,
2: they've instituted the rule because they don't really want to be on their phones themselves. Exactly, so it's it's really a conundrum. I think exactly, especially for the tech companies that are building all these
3: potentially amazing things for restaurants. It's going to be a, a real big growth shakeout period over the next few years because. I've often said on this show, people are used to so much technology in their day-to-day life. You have your smartphone, you have your computer, your tablet. You're used to using these devices from as soon as you wake up in the morning Mm -hmm. till you go to sleep in terms of connecting with people, ordering food, ordering a car, meditating, you know. Getting groceries delivered to your home, TV, setting your VCR, all that kind of stuff. And then when people cross the threshold into the restaurant for work, it's almost like they forgot how to use all that technology (laughs) or it no longer applies or the restaurant's a different place or, you know, Micros, you know, we're back in the 90s or something like that. So it's a very – our personal tech lives – are still more advanced, I think, than our restaurant work lives. And the catch-up period to that is going to be interesting but also difficult because it's really hard for people to sift through Mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I would be curious to know, like, what was your biggest surprise of something that people want to hear about or the biggest, craziest suggestion for a (laughs) seminar or a class? Uh, Someone asked if we could break down a whole cow. Okay, which we're maybe gonna
2: do. I don't know. We're gonna figure that out if we actually can. But um, I mean, that just it'll feels take crazy. like six hours. It'll be the six hour class. Yeah, right. Uh, and it also just feels crazy
3: because it's it's so large. So where does it go? But other um, things that have been crazy? well, maybe you do it in conjunction with an event where they yeah. break down the cow, Throughout and the then it thing. goes to some giant like barbecue yeah. meat event where they need it or something yeah. like that. You know, so Maybe it's like not Madison Square. Yeah, something. Barbecue.
2: Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's not a bad yeah. idea. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Um, so I guess not that crazy after no, all. No, no. Um, no, nothing, no, really nothing has been, I mean, the biggest surprise for me has been um, as we're producing events, we also are live streaming them at the same time and people are really watching them and people are t- writing in and emailing saying, oh, I couldn't make it in but I'm watching it at home and that the content is really translating from you being in a room with someone which so many people in this industry really need, they need to be in front of you same conversation about technology, right? Like It's not over email, it's in person the fact that it's also translating to live stream that people will sit at home on their computers or their tablets or whatever using their technology and watching these classes from afar is really remarkable and that's been the biggest surprise and most, I mean, so exciting that we can reach so many people
3: That's great So at the end of every show, I always like to ask my guests for a piece of advice, something actionable that our listeners can use. And simple, simple question to you. What's your best advice to someone who is planning an event? How do you successfully plan an event? It could be a small event at your home for your friends. It could be a big event, you know, for work. Yeah. Uh, Well, the best advice that I give myself is probably
2: meditating before I go into that event. Um, And then beyond that is really having, like, having it all planned. The more that you can have written down, the more that you can have, you know, Timelined out what is the run of show really going to look like what are all the pieces you need you're always going to come up against things that you didn't think you needed or that all of a sudden something broke or something is missing So that's why the meditating helps because then you can breathe through that and just go do it. Um, And then having having it all planned out, when there's a little thing that's missing, it's not such a big deal, but when it's a larger thing that's missing, it does end up being a little bit more stressful. So explain to listeners what run of show means. Absolutely. So run of show is the timeline, right? So it's on this day, what time is someone arriving? What time are deliveries arriving? What time are you expecting guests? So in between that time, what are the things you need to accomplish? When will plates be clear When will the you know service staff leave? It's just the timeline of that whole day,
3: the whole entire day, every single thing, starting practically from
2: when you wake up. Exactly, every single thing. Yes, I usually lay out
3: clothes in advance, so I don't even
2: need to worry about that. That doesn't get added into my run of show usually. So then it's just everything else. That's your personal run of show. (laughs) Night before, pick out outfit. (laughs) Right, exactly.
1: These these are great tips.
2: The meditating thing, seriously, though, is like, if you can learn how to really
3: breathe and just take deep breaths through really stressful moments, you're golden. That's totally where it's at. Wonderful. Well, and I think the run of show is a great one. And it's a, an analogy of following following each of the steps of the experience is always a great a great way to start to solve a problem or plan something out, whether it's your guest experience totally. or, you know, hosting a TP at a food show, all of those things. <laughs> yeah. If you just sort of start at the very beginning and walk through every single piece and account for it, then you should be in pretty good shape by the time you get to the end. Yeah, less things drop that way. Less things slip through the cracks. Certainly
2: something always does, so owning that and knowing that it's always going to be something and you just hope, because you've planned it out, it's a small thing. You forgot a plate, you forgot a glass, like whatever it is. It's not something that's like, oh my gosh, we left all of the posters or all of the flyers wherever we had them. So...
3: Well, I want to thank Sam for joining us today and talking about Journey, which is a really interesting new online and real-life community for restaurant professionals. Check out the website at YourJournee, J-O-U-R-N-E-E dot com. If you want to learn more about that, if you want to learn more about Tech bites, go to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Backslash series, backslash tech bites. We have all of our show archives. We have some great stuff in there like disconnecting from your tech, social media boot camp, all those kinds of things. And, you know, we have also all of our social media handles. So if you want to hear about something or you liked something or you have comments, Give us a shout. We're at TechBytesHRN at Gmail, TechBytesHRN on Twitter and Instagram, and we are an interactive show. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Jennifer Leucci, and this
1: is TechBytes. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network.